You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Uh, This morning we're going to start a a new series for the coming weeks on our Sunday service. Our Sunday services are not going to be running in parallel with uh, a topic of our life groups, but we're going to be looking at this title, People of Promise. People of Promise. And... uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this word, I promise, or this kind of statement, I promise you. How many of you ever heard this statement? And has it usually led to a good outcome? I promise you. I promise you. You know, sometimes it's a salesman um, who said, I promise you, nothing is going to go wrong with this item once you buy it. And then it all falls apart three months later, just after warranty. You know, those kind of things. I promise you. Sometimes we've been on that giving end of saying, I promise you. I promise you uh, that was going to happen. Uh, but the funny thing about life is that we can promise something, but we don't know what the future holds. Correct? I can say, I promise you tomorrow I'm going to give this thing back to you, but I don't have a guarantee about tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to leave this place and get hit by a bus. I don't have a guarantee of what's going to happen over my life. And so when we say, I promise, we can't back up that promise with any certainty, can we? Come on. Are you awake? Can we pack it up? Because there's an element of out, this out of our control. Now, so long as it's in our control, yes, we can say, you know what, we, I'm a man of my word or a woman of my word. If I said it, I'll do it. Fantastic. But there's still an element where actually we're, we're in a space that we're not in control. Now, the dictionary gives us the definition for the word promises, an expressed assurance with, uh, on which ex- expectation is to be based. I'll read that again. An an expressed assurance on which expectation is to be based. So when a promise is made, an expectation is put in place of what's going to happen with the other person. Right? And I know, I'm sure all of us have been on the receiving end of a broken promise. And that we have an expectation of something and then it doesn't happen. And it it leaves us feeling maybe sometimes hurt or uh, or, uh, upset in some way. But when we look at the promises that God makes, unlike the promises that we make, God does know the future. And God does not change. He doesn't go one day, say one thing, and then He made all the kind of slips His mind and He's like, snap, I forgot I said that to you. I, I forgot I made that promise to you. I, I forgot that that was going to happen in this world. I didn't realize circumstances were going to change when I made the promise. I'm really sorry, mate. Uh, you're out on your own on this one. Actually, when God says, I promise, it's based upon who He is, which is this unchanging nature of God, and it's also based upon the fact that He is all-knowing. When He makes a promise, He knows what the future holds, so He can make the promise. Unlike us, we can make the promise, but we don't know necessarily what's going to happen in the coming days. So when God says, look, I, I, I promise this, I, I give you a picture of what is to come, actually, that's something we can base our lives upon, because it will happen. Correct? We, we can have this expectation because the expectation is based upon fact, not upon fantasy. God is faithful to His Word. And when He says He's going to do something, He will do it. Now, when we look in Scripture, we, we, we see this family of promise. In fact, you and I are grafted into this family through Christ Jesus. And so this family was given a promise, and an individual in particular was given a promise that really all of Scripture kind of is based around, especially when we look at Jesus. 
And this man was Abraham. And over the coming weeks, we're going to look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to spend some time in the Old Testament because this family lived and wrestled with a promise. And they had challenges because God said something, but they were living in a reality that spoke the very opposite. How many have ever encountered that in your relationship with God? God says one thing, but you're living in a different reality. And so you have this tension between what God says and what you're experiencing. So you're having to somehow work through that. And Abraham was no different. God spoke something and he had to wrestle out what it meant to live in the promise, to live out that promise some way or another. And so we're going to read and we're introduced first to Abraham. And and in this passage, his his name is Abram, uh, not Abraham. Hit the, the ham bit is added later on in scripture. Uh, and it's Sarai, not Sarah, Sarah, but he, her name is also changed a little bit later on. But for what we're going to read, and when I refer to Abraham, just to keep it all simple, I'm just going to say Abraham. Is that okay? Because otherwise, part of this series, I'm talking about Abram, and part of the series, I'm talking about Abraham, and you think, well, is this the same guy? It's the same guy. Just a bit of a name tweak. Okay? So we'll just for clarity, we'll just use Abraham. When I'm talking. Okay, good. Now that's out of the way. We're going to read the passage. So it's Genesis 11, uh, verses 27 to 12, 7. So it's a little bit that we're going to read here. And then we're going to unpackage it today. It says this. Abram's family. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, um, uh, Nahor, and uh, Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife is Sarai, and the name of uh, Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran and the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now we've all got that clear with all his names. Uh, now Sarah, Sarai uh, was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, Abram, um, his son, grandson Lot, uh, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans uh, to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord said to Abram, Go to your, sorry, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and I, and you will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram, Abram, Abram went, I, I keep calling to say Abraham, uh, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and, uh, sorry, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at the, at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. 
So he built an altar to the Lord there, and uh, and he who had appeared to him. Sorry, my reading this morning. Maybe still jet lagged. I don't know. In this passage, we see the promises that God made to to Abraham, a, a picture of what he was intending to do. Right? I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I, I will make your name great. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, we see already a problem with this passage of Scripture. And one of these problems we see is that Sarah, his wife, is barren. Right? Childless. So, there's a great promise, a great picture of what was to come. But actually, there was a gap between what God was saying, this reality, and were they were at this moment. They were also in the wrong location. They were surrounded by family and friends and people that actually God says you you need to get away from, you need to to move away from. Now, one of the first things we learn about Abraham and him stepping into the promise. Now, this is when we look at this passage and over the coming weeks in this series, we're looking at how we step into the promises of God over our lives and not just waiting for them to happen. You see, sometimes we we can be in this position of passive kind of approach to walking with God. But our walk with God is a walk with God. And when God says something, often it calls us to take a step. This was a promise that God had given to to Abraham at the very beginning of, of the journey. But Abraham had to do something in order for him to walk into it. Correct? It wasn't just by default. He can continue to live as he pleased, do whatever he likes, and this is going to happen to his life. No, actually, he says, you need to go. Go from your country. Go from your people. You need, you need to do something. So there was three things that we learned. And uh, in the very first part of the series, we're looking at in, in moving in forward into the promises that God has. It requires obedience in our front as well. It, it is a two-way street. God is looking for obedience. He's got a promise. He's got a provision. He's got all that he's, he's got for us. But he's also looking on our part, uh, obedience to that plan, to his purpose. <coughs> Excuse me. And so the first step of obedience that, that Abram had to do was leaving. Now, leaving is one of those interesting things. Because he says, look, uh, you're to go from your country, your people and your father's household in order for us in, in, in our walk with God, I believe, and I, I think if you over the times that God has spoken to me and, and given me a picture of, of what He's calling into me, uh, calling into my life, there's always still a stepping from something, isn't there? In order for us to step into the promise, we have to step from something else. And, and that can be a challenging thing because we sometimes like to hold on to what is now, what is our world, what is our existence, what are the things that we're comfortable with, the things that we know so very well. We like to live in that space. But God says, look, if you want to be over there, if this is the promise, if this is the promised land, you need to go from here and you need to leave. And you need to start on a journey to come over here. It doesn't just come to you. The promise is here and you're over here. Are you getting it? I know for those listening later, this will not make sense. But there's movement and there's a leaving process. Now, for us, I think leaving is a letting go. You know, even Jesus talked about this. If you want to follow me, we got to lay, we got to leave something behind. The promise was eternal life. The promise is, is new life. This abundant life that we talked about earlier. But actually, there's also a leaving of old life. 
The old life and new life can't coexist. You can't live in the promise and live in the state that you once were. Actually, God calls us to leave this stuff behind and now follow Him. To walk in this new reality that He's given us. And so for us, it might be even as, <coughs> excuse me, with Abraham, it was leaving these old relationships. A family and, and friends, his people, it says. It, it was actually, it was maybe sometimes it's the relationships we have, the people we surround us ourselves with will often dictate where we're going. Because they're all constantly speaking into our lives. They're constantly telling us what we think or what we should do or, you know, they're the ones counseling us. And so actually, if we surround ourselves with people that are not of the promise, they will hold us back. Because the ways of God and His purposes go contrary to human reasoning often. And so, in order for us to, to move forward, it doesn't mean we, you know... We write our family a letter of goodbye and we don't talk to them again. I'm not saying that. But there are times sometimes we, we, there are relationships that can be unhelpful. Maybe it's, it's old habits or, or lifestyles that God said, look, I've got a promise for you, but you gotta, you've gotta lay some things down that you're, you're doing or you're, you're thinking or ways of, of doing life that actually doesn't, doesn't align with the promise. You can't keep going in the way that you are. And walk in the promise at the same time because your mindset is wrong. I mean, again, we see in Scripture to set our minds on things above. To, to change our way, to be renewed in our thinking. It's letting go of the life we maybe have hold, held on to. Lose our life that we can find life. Again, we look at even the rich young ruler who had this encounter with Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Look, there's something you're holding on to, you need to let go of. And then come follow me, I've got great things in store. I've got a promise for you on this other side. But you've got to let go of some stuff. It's got a root in your heart. And you know, he walked away because this was so important to him. The promise was there, he just couldn't walk in it. Because there was a leaving of something that had a hold on his life. God's plans do not fit into our little box. Can I tell you that? You might have a little box of your life. You know what, God's plans are bigger than that. And the very things that we hold on to, the things that we think are so precious. You know, God says, look, i got such bigger things for you. I want to make your name great in the sense of in the kingdom. I, I want to do great things through your life. But you know what? You're holding on to some stuff that's just holding you back. So long as you live in this space that I haven't called you to live, you know what? You'll never inherit the promises I have for you. you got to make a journey. you got to start leaving some stuff behind. And that's a step of obedience. What? Do you need to leave? Maybe right now. So Abraham was challenged. First of all, the Lord says, go from your country. Go. You got to leave it. Your people, your father's household. But the second thing is, is the step of obedience of embracing. It's not just leaving without any mindset of what's happening. But it, it says, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. He, he went. You know what? I look at this as embracing God's plan with two feet. Sometimes we like to live on the fence a little bit. We kind of, we put one foot in and, and we keep one foot a bit secure on the other side. So we just kind of, we play both sides. But we can't play both sides. We need to embrace fully and start the process of going. Embracing that God has a plan. I accept it and I trust He knows where He's leading me. God told Abram, that he would take him to the land that he would show him. You know, I think sometimes that we, we struggle with this word trust. 
of actually trusting the Lord that he knows the destination. I think some of us would like to have all the answers sorted before we take the first step. How many of you are kind of like that? It's like going on a holiday and know where your destination is before you get there. We had one holiday. There'll probably only ever be one holiday like this. And it was due to another passport problem. <laughs> and it wasn't this last summer. It was the summer before. It was the year before. We, we, um, no, it was a few summers ago. Annalise needed her passport renewed and maybe we left it a bit too late. And anyways, it, we didn't have a plan of where we were going. We just had a ferry booked to, to France. And, uh, so we got on, we were just about to get on the ferry, uh, because we just got the passport like the day before we were to leave, but we hadn't anywhere booked. And so we knew we were going to leave this country, but we had no idea where we were going. And we had all our camping gear in the car, and we thought, we'll just find somewhere in Europe that's not raining. Because if you're camping, rain is not your friend. Uh, so we looked on uh, the weather throughout Europe, France, Germany, and the further we looked, the more we just saw rain all week. Rain, 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 rain. So like, how far do we have to drive to get away from rain? Well, apparently a long ways. Uh, we ended up in Slovenia, um, and we didn't even camp. We stayed in this cottage, and then uh, we decided we'll just keep going. Well, we'd driven this far. We went to Croatia. Anyways, the whole trip, the whole the whole time we were away, it was an unplanned holiday of of a destination unknown. Um, literally, we were waiting for the ferry, thinking, "Where are we going?" Um, anyway, I don't know if you ever had a holiday like that. It can be a little bit stressful, actually, though. Um, some of you administrative-like people are kind of, ah, it's stressing me even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when God said to Abraham, look, I want you to leave these people and I want you to go to the place. I will show you the destination. I'll show you. They set off, the whole bit of them, the whole group, onto a journey that they didn't quite know where they were going. And... The willingness for us to just take God at His word and say, look, you know the destination, and I don't need to have every answer to every question sorted before I say yes to you, but I'm willing just to take you at your word that you've got a plan, and so I'm going to take the first step. Sometimes it's about the first step. I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the things I need to leave, and I'm going to start to move towards the destination you call me to, even though I don't fully know where that will lead. You know, God knows the destination of your life. He knows the promise. He knows the good things He's pl planned in His store, uh, in store for you. Before the beginning of this world, He has this great plan for your life. There's, there's promises of how He wants to move through your life, but he, he wants us to start taking some steps towards it, even though the destination may not fully be known, but you do have a prompting in your heart. You need to take some steps. You need to start moving in that in direction. You need to start going forward. You know, James says that faith without the, without works is dead. You know, faith without steps of obedience is dead. And it's so easy as Christians to talk about faith in Jesus, but never live a life of obedience that backs that up. An obedience of stepping forward into the things God has for us. Oh, we can say we trust God, but do we really trust God? to take steps, to start moving forward, to, to listen to His voice and follow the leading of His heart. 
to obey and trust God at His Word is actually faith. Not a feeling. Faith is never described as an emotion. Something we've, kind of this aura that we walk into of faith. Actually, faith is obedience to what God is saying. It is obedience. And, and Abraham is credited in Scripture that his obedience to God's Word was credited to him as righteousness. And that was faith. He is used to help define what faith looks like in action. What faith steps is God challenging you to take? What promise is, is, is before you that God is wanting you to start moving towards? What, what is being asked of you to, to, to start moving? The third thing, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we have this, this obedience of leaving. We have this in, uh, obedience of, uh, of embracing. But then we have this obedience of completing. So it says, they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. They arrived. Now, do you remember at the very beginning of the story, what we read, that Abraham's father set out for Canaan? Did you catch that? He actually set out for Canaan. But when he came to Haran, he settled there. Now, we don't see the fullness of Scripture, but I dare to suspect God spoke to him as well. And he got halfway, or he got part of the journey, and for whatever reason, he settled before he got to the destination. You know, we have a temptation to set out, but not complete the race. You know, partial obedience is actually still disobedience. To set out but not complete the task or to, to move towards but actually not finish. Actually, you still haven't finished. You, you haven't quite got to that space. And so God is challenging us. Actually, He isn't just looking for us to be enthusiastic starters, but He wants us to move and actually inhabit the promise. To, to, to move into that space where He calls us to live and not settle somewhere in between. We've left maybe our old life. But we haven't fully embraced the new one either. And so somewhere along the line, we've settled for second best or third best. You know, even as I was preparing this, I've remembered God's voice speaking over the years of my life and things He's spoken to me. And, and there's a challenge, I think, because life throws all sorts of curveballs, doesn't it? We think we know where we're going and something happens, we get unwell or we have a financial problem or things happen. And there's all sorts of reasons why we would start to settle, even though if we were really honest with ourselves, we're not quite where God wants, wants us to be. And so we've allowed life to start to take root. And we settle, and, and yes, we still love Jesus, and yes, we can live in this space, but actually, there's still more God wants to do through our lives. Now, Abraham's father settled, and he never reached Canaan. Never did. He died outside of where he was meant to be. Now, Abraham left and arrived. 
and walked into the promise. Now, I, I, this is my own belief in this, that actually there, there was a family line and a family promise that then went on to, to Isaac and went on to Jacob. We see this promise actually repeated, but actually Abraham wasn't the first person to set out on that journey. And I think you and I, we, we, we're, we're on this journey and, and God says, look, I, I want to do something through your life. I, I want to, I, there's more I, I want to do. And, and, and the enemy wants you to settle. The enemy wants you just to make base camp and just start to live there and just occupy the space that you're in. You're not where you were, but you're not where you're meant to be either. You're in this in-between. You see, that's, that is not the promise either. Some people, they come to Jesus and they, they live, lead their old life of sin and all sorts of stuff and they, they, they're enthusiastic and they do start the journey. But somewhere along the line, instead of fully embracing, they do get stopped somewhere and they settle. And the problem with settling is you start to become mediocre. You see, there's something about pursuing God's plan and His purpose that puts a fire in our hearts. It keeps us fresh. It keeps us hungry for more of the Lord. But when we start to settle and we give way to that, an apathy starts to set into our hearts because we're no longer pioneering. We're no longer pushing. We're no longer trusting to keep going. We're now content to be where we're at. And apathy is this crazy thing that just sucks the spiritual life right out of us. God wants us to be awakened. And maybe you've put down foundations, you've built your house, you've settled in such a way, you've got a town around you. Well, maybe, if you're honest with yourself, you're still not where you're meant to be. And maybe today, God's saying, look, come on. Get your camping gear out again. We're moving. The cloud is moving still. You're not there yet. There's more I want to do in your life. You're not dead yet. You can still make it. You can still achieve what God wants to do. What I want to do through you. You can still get there. But you need to keep moving. You need to, to, to uproot a bit here. Spiritually speaking. Or maybe physically speaking. Maybe you need to keep going. All three of these areas can be a challenge. There's a race marked out for each one of us. It's important that we don't stop, we don't deviate, we don't give up, that we finish, and we finish well. It is, should be our prayer that the Father would say, well done. You finished it. You lived the promise. You lived the plan. We'll see in the coming weeks that Abraham wasn't perfect. His family was certainly littered with all sorts of issues. This was an imperfect family. And yet God used them in a powerful way. They made mistakes. We'll learn in the coming weeks how Abraham made mistakes. However, Abraham stands out in Scripture someone who stepped into the promise of God over his life because he was willing to leave, he was willing to embrace, and he was willing to complete what God had asked him to. He was willing to do that. It was a willingness to do it. We love to hear and know the promises of God. Some of you I know have them memorized. I mean, there's a lot in Scripture. But it isn't about just knowing the promises. It is about moving towards what God is speaking to us.
It's occupying that space, living in that space. So the question I have, even as we close, is what steps of obedience is God maybe challenging you this morning to take? It's very easy to be comfortable. It's very easy to live in that space of family's okay, life's okay, money's in the bank account, I feel healthy, I'm just settling right here. And God said, look, I, there's so much more. This isn't it. There's more. Are we willing this morning to say, God, have your way in my life? I want to be obedient, not 50% obedient, not 75% obedient, but I'm, going to, I'm choosing again today to leave the things in my life, even maybe now that I've taken hold of, I need to let go. I'm willing to embrace all that you have for me. And I, I set my eyes upon the prize, upon the finish line, and I will move forward in the promises that you have for me of what is to come. Even though I'm living in a space of not yet, I will keep moving towards that which you said will be if I trust you. Now this morning, we all could be responding to that in very different ways. But I believe God is wanting to challenge us this morning. Just stir our hearts. We live in a very comfortable part of the world. And to us, I, I actually in the first world nation, uh, having comfort can work against faith. Because it, it, it breeds a sense of contentment for that which we should not be content with. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.